Welcome to conference coverage presented by ReachMD Radio on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Featuring the latest clinical information and research findings from the American Academy of Dermatology's 68th Annual Meeting, which took place March 5th through the 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. This year's meeting attracted a record 19,200 attendees from around the world. It featured 370 sessions, more than 1,300 faculty, and more than 600 electronic posters. I'm your host for conference coverage, Dr. Mark Kina. And I'm your co-host, Sue Berg. Much of this year's discussion centered around new biologic therapies. Ronald Prusik, M.D. of George Washington University in Washington, D.C., led a focus session titled, Biologic Drugs for Psoriasis, Do We Use Them Enough?, in front of a standing-room-only crowd of attendees. In this session, Dr. Prusik discussed biologics' beneficial effects on common core morbidities, such as cardiovascular problems and arthritis. Dr. Prusik overviewed how psoriasis can severely impact daily activities, in some cases affect physical function more than other chronic conditions such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and arthritis. The Dermatology Quality of Life Index and a Psoriasis Area and Severity Index can help determine which patients are candidates for systemic treatment. Metabolic syndrome, which can include obesity, elevated fasting glucose, hypertension, hypertriglyceridemia, and reduced HDL, is common among psoriasis patients, and about 4% of people with metabolic syndrome are considered high risk. Research also shows that young patients with severe psoriasis have a threefold risk of having myocardial infarction. The three main strategies for treating psoriasis with biologics are to use T-cell inhibitors, TNF receptor antagonists, or interleukin monoclonal antibodies. TNF agonists used in the treatment of psoriasis are intanercep, infliximab, and adalimumab. They've been associated with a lower incidence of cardiovascular events in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. Patients with a history of chronic infections, unstable diabetes, a family history of malignancy, hepatitis B, and cardiac failure are not candidates for anti-TNF therapy. The newest biologic therapy is ustekinumab, recently approved in the United States. Dr. Prusik cited ustekinumab's advantages. It works on different parts of the immune system and requires less frequent dosing, and so has improved compliance among patients. The main disadvantage is that the drug lacks long-term safety data. More than 20 studies presented at the meeting addressed the biologic ustekinumab, a study supported by Johnson & Johnson Pharmaceutical Services supported a Phase three clinical trial in which researchers assessed disease severity and quality of life in almost 2,000 patients with moderate to severe psoriasis who were randomly assigned to receive either ustekinumab or placebo. At baseline, about 22% of the patients reported impaired sexual function. After 12 weeks, the researchers found that ustekinumab was associated with significantly higher quality of life scores than placebo. They also found that the rate of impaired sexual function in the ustekinumab group decreased from 22.4% at baseline to 2.7%, but observed no changes in the placebo group. A second study of ustekinumab looked at 177 patients with moderate to severe psoriasis who had failed to respond to the TNF-alpha antagonist Etanercept and were crossed over to ustekinumab. The study was supported by Centicor Research and Development and conducted by researchers in the United Kingdom. After 12 weeks, researchers found that about 49% of the patients achieved a psoriasis area severity index response of 75 and that 23.4% achieved a response of 90. They also observed clear disease in 40.4% of patients and minimal disease in 70.2%. 
These results suggested to researchers that ustekinumab was well-tolerated in patients previously treated with a Tanercept and that the safety profile was consistent with that observed in other ustekinumab Phase three studies. Ustekinumab may be effective in patients whose disease does not respond to a Tanercept. And in a third study, researchers pooled data from three trials of ustekinumab to assess the extent to which several cardiovascular comorbidities in psoriasis patients are underdiagnosed and undertreated compared to established guidelines. After comparing baseline medical histories and baseline lab results in nearly 2,900 patients, the researchers found that approximately 20% of patients are undiagnosed for comorbidities. 18% of patients had undiagnosed diabetes. had undiagnosed hypertension, and 19% had undiagnosed hyperlipidemia. They also found most of the patients diagnosed with these conditions had not received optimal treatment. The authors concluded that additional efforts are needed to ensure that patients with psoriasis receive appropriate cardiovascular risk factor screening, referral, and treatment. The study was supported by CETACOR research and development. Moving on to actinic keratoses, In a Phase three study primarily supported by Peplin Limited, researchers found that precancerous actinic keratoses on areas of the body, including the chest and arms, may respond to treatment with new 0.05% inginol mebutate gel, or PEP-005. For this study, investigators randomized 255 patients to either PEP-005 or a vehicle gel. Efficacy was assessed by complete clearance or partial clearance of actinic keratoses. Safety was assessed by the incidence rate of adverse events, serious adverse events, and adverse events leading to discontinuation, as well as by the incidence rate and grade of local skin responses, pigmentation, and scarring. After 57 days, researchers found that the complete lesion clearance rate was 27% in the PEP-005 group compared with 5% in the vehicle gel group. Adverse events were generally mild to moderate and resolved by day 57. Further, researchers found that PEP-005 was associated with complete clearance rates in the chest for about 89% of patients, 25% of patients for arms, 16.7% for legs, and 16% for the back of the hand. Meeting highlights included an expert review on the newest treatments for acne and rosacea presented by Dr. Jenny J. Kim, an associate professor of dermatology at the University of California in Los Angeles. Dr. Kim discussed the complementary treatment of acne with laser and light-based technologies, such as pulse dye laser, red and blue light, and photodynamic therapy, which targets the sebaceous glands and can reduce acne flares. These therapies are appealing to patients who are increasingly concerned about long-term use of oral medications to fight acne. Dr. Kim noted the need for large, prospective, well-controlled studies that demonstrate the effectiveness of these laser and light technologies. Dr. Kim also discussed a recent study suggesting the association between rosacea and the skin peptide catholicidin. She said that there is some evidence to suggest that catholicidin within the skin is processed differently in rosacea patients than in individuals not affected by this disease and induces inflammation that may contribute to rosacea. She said these findings are encouraging and may help identify better treatments for the disease by providing a better understanding towards its etiology. In another expert review, Albert C. Yan, M.D. of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, discussed the increasing skin and hair problems associated with bedbugs, scabies, and head lice. According to Dr. Yan, the bedbug population has exploded in the United States, most likely because of increased international travel and the elimination of the effective pesticide DDT. 
Some studies suggest that resistance to currently available pesticides has accounted for a 500% increase in the bedbug population over the past few years. In a statement, Dr. Yan cited data from New York City indicating reports of hundreds of complaints of bedbug infestations every year. And he added these numbers have been steadily increasing. In addition, reports have emerged from two separate surveys of hotels conducted by extermination companies, indicating that 14% of hotel rooms and up to 25% of hotels show evidence of bedbug infestation. Bedbugs can go as long as 12 months between feedings and times when their food supply is scarce. When bedbugs bite people, people may experience intense itching that can be difficult to treat. Dr. Yan said that although one-third of people bitten by bedbugs will develop bite reactions, bedbugs thus far have not been associated with any serious health threats, nor have there been any documented cases of diseases being transmitted from bedbugs. Other meeting highlights included a plenary address by Donna E. Shalala, Ph.D., former secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, who spoke on health system reform and education. Dr. Shalala was the secretary of Health and Human Services under President Bill Clinton. She spoke on health system reform in advance of President Obama's March 22nd signing of a health care overhaul bill. Dr. Shalala asked the crowd, should you be nervous? Absolutely, she said, and went on, it's healthy to be nervous when you're making this many changes at the same time. The history of this country is not to have the government step in in such a dramatic way. This is one of the times in which the government is going to have to provide the framework. According to a presentation by Dr. Harold S. Robinovitz from the Miller School of Medicine in Miami, Florida, early-stage melanoma diagnosis and treatment is getting a hand from technological innovation. Dr. Rabinovitz reviewed the latest in diagnostics for catching early-stage melanomas, including dermoscopy, full-body photography, mole mapping, and reflectance confocal microscopy, as well as evolving technologies, such as the computerized image analysis system, which uses a computerized analysis algorithm for the automatic diagnosis of melanoma. Full-body photography provides a record against which clinicians can assess changes in moles over time, information that could help determine whether excision is necessary. Some indications for the use of total body photography include personal and family history of melanoma, atypical mole syndrome, or multiple moles of different size, shape, and color. Another non-invasive imaging technique is reflectance confocal microscopy, or RCM. RCM offers imaging at the cellular level and allows the visualization of both the epidermis and the epidermis in real time. This procedure is performed with a laser light that is able to focus on a specific spot within the tissue, which is then automatically scanned over the entire level of the skin. With mole mapping technology, suspicious moles can be digitized with dermoscopy cameras and re-imaged at three- to six-month intervals to determine if any changes in characteristics have occurred in this time. Dr. Rubinovitz also noted the American Academy of Dermatology's recently approved change in the ABCD educational tool for recognizing early melanomas. This tool is a mnemonic for suspicious characteristics of moles. It stands for asymmetry, border, color, and diameter. And now the letter E for evolving changes in shape, size, or color. In an additional discussion of psoriasis, Alan Mentor, M.D., who chairs the Psoriasis Research Unit at Baylor Research Institute in Dallas, discussed the need for considering the condition complex, serious, and systemic, significantly affecting patients' quality of life. 
In addition to the association between psoriasis and other conditions such as cardiovascular disease, cancer, obesity, and metabolic syndrome, sleep apnea, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and depression, Dr. Mentor outlined associated quality of life issues such as stress, anxiety, low self-esteem, and the increased use of alcohol and tobacco in psoriasis patients. And he also talked about the recent discovery of psoriasis-related genes. Dr. Mentor went on to enumerate the benefits and risks of newer biologic agents such as adalimumab, etanercept, and infliximab, as well as the most recently approved biologic agent, ustekinumab, shown to improve sexual dysfunction in patients with moderate to severe psoriasis up to tenfold. In a statement, Dr. Mentor stressed that although psoriasis is an incurable disease, it's controllable with proper treatment in the majority of cases. Finally, Two presentations addressed recent research on cosmetic skin treatments. In one session, results were presented from an initial study of six participants, showing that injections of the popular skin filler hyaluronic acid stimulate production of type 1 collagen. A subsequent study looked at 11 patients between the ages of 64 and 84, showing that the mechanism behind this process is increased activity of fibroblasts. Participants were given hyaluronic acid injections in one photo-aged arm and saline injections in the other photo-aged arm. Skin biopsies were taken from the site of injection in both arms at 4 and 13 weeks after injection. The biopsies were analyzed using an electron microscope to examine collagen-producing fibroblast activity. Results indicated that fibroblasts were in stretched configuration that correlates with increased collagen production. The second presentation addressed nanotechnology's potential use in cosmetic products and topical medical treatments. Dermatologist Adnan Nasser, MD, PhD from the University of North Carolina, talked about the potential development of sunscreens containing nanoparticles. Nanoparticles can fit into the folds, wrinkles, and nooks of the skin, providing more protection and offering even more coverage on the skin's surface than microsized particles. Further, sunscreens using nanoparticles tend to be invisible when applied. Consumers may therefore be more inclined to use them on a regular basis. Additionally, when nanomaterials were properly engineered in anti-aging products, they may potentially be able to topically deliver retinoids, antioxidants, and drugs such as botulinum toxin or growth factors. Nanotechnology could also increase the stability of the antioxidant vitamin C and enhance its ability to penetrate the skin. Nanomaterials are also being investigated for the treatment of melanoma. For example, gold, when turned into a nanomaterial, has been shown to be beneficial against melanoma in animal studies. Thank you for listening to conference coverage from the American Academy of Dermatology's 68th Annual Meeting, March 5th through the 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. Conference coverage highlights as a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com and powered by Health Day.